welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and we're going to be joined by our special guest. Today, we're going to be joined by Roy Flores and Michael A. Belion of Project Spurs. Roy Flores is quite accomplished. He's a, a member of the Associated Press, so it's it's great having you on as a, as a first-time guest, Roy. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Joe. I really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, man. It's always fun to have somebody new join us, you know, on the show since Michael's a, a regular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so what we're going to do yeah. is we're going to go ahead and, and dive in and talk a little bit about the San Antonio Spurs or the state of the San Antonio Spurs at this at this juncture. They started the rodeo road trip and they kind of laid an egg against the Sacramento Kings. I mean, it was kind of to be expected, though. You know, this team, this uh, Sacramento Kings team is young. They're athletic. And basically what they did is they just ran the Spurs out of the building. And I think that has more to do with the inconsistencies that we've seen uh, out of the Spurs team throughout the season on the defensive end. So to go ahead and add a little bit more to that or explain what we're talking about, we'll go ahead and start with you, Roy Flores. Uh, what have you seen as far as the inconsistencies of this Spurs team on the defensive end? Yeah, this season? it's kind of crazy because if you look back at, uh, probably from like the second week of December through the early part of January, the defense was really getting it done. Uh, you recall you had that stretch where they were holding teams under 100, which is unheard of in this, uh, this new era of run-and-gun uh, offensive-minded basketball. Uh, so what they were doing defensively was pretty impressive, regardless of, you know, some of those lineups were missing some key players. But nevertheless, the NBA is the NBA, and teams are going to run, teams are going to gun. So what Spurs were doing and what we haven't seen here in the last couple of games or the last stretch of games, even uh, despite them winning five straight going into last night, is, and I've talked about it before, that half step, it's still, it, all it takes is a split second, not even a full second, to react to what the other team is doing. And there's just like this flat energy that I've noticed in the last several games, and you saw it again last night. And, uh, you know, to say that they can't run with these young guys, I don't buy into that because we cause Spurs have some young players that can run as well. It's, it's the mental decision in that split second where a player makes a move and they've got to make the defensive counteraction, and they're not doing it at the level that they were doing it several weeks ago or earlier in January and part of December. Yeah, I think that, you know, more of the inconsistencies with the Spurs this season as far as the defensive end has to do with them losing a lot of their defense. You know, in the offseason, they lost Kyle Anderson. They also lost Kawhi Leonard, you know, and they lost Danny Green. Uh, they really don't have any wing defenders. One thing that I've been noticing that Coach Pop has done to kind of compensate for that as he's been playing a lot of zone this season. He doesn't like to play zone. So seeing him play zone, I mean, that's just the hand that he's dealt with, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes the zone works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's the frustrating part uh, to Spurs fans is they want this team to be that defensive juggernaut that they were in years past. But when almost your whole defensive uh, mindset has left the team, this is kind of what we're we're dealing with right now we're kind of in in spurs limbo <laughs> if you if you want to say that you know? yeah well you, you you look at uh 
eight new players on the roster. And as simple as defense may seem, there are some complexities that Pop brings into it because he is a defensive-minded coach uh, in knowing what to do. And again, that split decision, do I go underneath the pick? Do I go around the pick? Uh, do I, you know, do I go over the, 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 the screen? Uh, and, you know, that, 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 that leap toward the player, or do I stand my ground and wait for him to take a half step back for a jump shot? Just little innuendos that do take a while for players to, to adapt to. And you talk about losing Kawhi, losing Danny, losing Kyle. Those are the top three defenders that the Spurs have had the last couple of years. So, yeah, you lost your top three defenders. I think Derek White has been doing a fantastic job defensively, uh, you know, and he's out for the next couple of games, uh, you know, not on this leg of the road trip. Uh, so that definitely hurt. But, again, it, it's time and time again, Pop has proven that it's a system and not necessarily – the players all the time, yeah, you're going to have an elite player like a Kawhi Leonard that is going to, you know, just blow everybody out of the water, but you're not going to come across those players very often. So you function on a system, and it's it's taken a while for this, this group of guys to figure it out, to, you know, get adapt to that, those schemes that, that Popovich likes to run. Yeah, so... Thank you for that. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, Michael Adelian and get some of his input. Uh, what have you seen so far? I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about the Spurs inconsistencies on the defensive end. And I know that you guys, you did a wonderful article today. I read that on Project Spurs, and you talked a little bit about that. So do you want to go ahead and give us your expertise as far as what you've been seeing this season? Yeah, I got to give credit to Paul Garcia because he wrote that, and he, he's the, the – so one, one of the guys I want to stop that can break this stuff down better than I can. And um, he kind of named several factors that, to why the defense has been the way it has been. You know, it's, like you guys mentioned, they lost those three defense players. But they also lost DeJounte Murray, who was probably, you know, an all-NBA second-team guy. Now, when their defense, I mean, they've got on their solar coaster where they started rough. I, mean, I think they are like, dead last at one point, And then... You know, they're, they're climbing back up where that, it seems like that points allowed is climbing back up up until about the 113 points per game area. And now they lose Derek White, probably for the entirety of the Lordy Road trip. So that's a tough loss at a, at a tough time. But I, I agree with everything at risk as well. Those are things that, and when you see Pop lighting into players, it's not over nothing. It's because it's things that they've gone over, things that they know, things that they've I don't want to practice several times and people are making the wrong, wrong decisions. They, they just shouldn't make at that point. It's always usually on defense where they will let somebody, uh, you know, just don't make the right adjustments when they need to. And that always uh, hurts them. And so there's just so many inconsistencies. And a lot of that is, you know, again, bringing in new players, making sure um, there's communication at all times between those players. They're, they're, they don't have that same level of comfort that maybe the team last year had. It's been together a little bit longer. Now this team, you're looking at the Patty Mills is like the longest tenured spur right now, and that's a little odd to see. So uh, I think you know we're going to still continue to see this. Luckily with Derek White, they, they've been able to at least on the wing defend a little bit better. But I think that kind of shows you how lucky they were to have somebody waiting to, and it stepped in and done so well because without him, 
and we saw what happened against the Kings. And the Kings, it's one of those teams that they, they've been surprising a lot of people. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where you saw without him where, you know, they couldn't get the help against the, the, the guys like De'Aaron Fox and like Buddy Hills and, and those players. So it's going to be something that they're going to have to fight through without him over this next stretch. Yeah. I, you know, that's the thing, though, too, is because the, the thing that's really scary for us right now is that Derek White is out. He's going to be out for the first leg of the rodeo road trip. And what we mean by that, he's probably going to miss the, at least the first three to four games. You know, we've already have one game, so he's probably going to miss three more because uh, he has plantar fasciitis. Uh, for those that don't know, it's a very painful injury. They say that if you have a slight tear, it hurts worse than if you have a, a straight up tear. And sometimes, you know, to alleviate that pain, they just go ahead and tear the whole thing, uh, which I don't know how recovery time is from something of that nature. But you can still play on it. It's just going to be very tender and very sore. So he, he, he might come back, you know, in the, the second leg of the, the rodeo road trip. But he might not be at 100%. He might be playing, you know, 75 80%. You know, he might get limited minutes. But we need all the help we could get right now. And really, what Derek White missing, I think the Spurs are missing a true point right now. And when we're going up against teams like Golden State Warriors or the Trailblazers, who have dynamic point guards, it's kind of hard for us to compete on that end, which means that we're going to have to try to make up that difference somehow. And I think what really happened to us yesterday in yesterday's game is the, the starting five did a great job. It was the bench that was a little suspect. It seemed like they just couldn't get in, in rhythm. They just weren't hitting their shots. And it happens. You know, games like that happen where you can't knock down shots. But I'm sure for the next game, you know, they'll probably play a lot better. Uh, to play more complete game, I'm hoping. But um, let's go ahead and ask you, Roy. I mean, how do you think the Spurs are going to fare against the Golden State Warriors uh, without Derek White? Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I I had I really thought that after the two tough uh, games uh, that they had, Brooklyn and New Orleans, two teams, two inferior teams that they should have beat at home uh, handedly. Uh, they they struggled with them, and I really thought that energy level was going to kick up a notch, you know, starting the rodeo road trip, and just you know play a whole lot better. Uh, so I had them going six and two on this rodeo road trip, and I know that people were calling me crazy for for even suggesting that, um, but it's just these little fine tuned things that that aren't clicking. And if you fine-tune those things, that's the difference between a win and a loss. So I had them one and one after the first two games on this rodeo road trip. And, you know, conceivably, they could still be one and one after this uh, first two games on the rodeo road trip. Will it happen? Probably not. Golden State at home, you know, you've got five guys that have at one time or another or currently have been all-stars. Uh, and that just presents. Uh, you know, a, a tough, tough task for the Spurs. And again, unless they're on, completely on, focused, zeroed in, high energy, running, playing the way that they're, they've shown they're capable of, um, yeah, that, that Golden State game is definitely going to be, be tough to pull, pull that one out. Yeah, and that one's going to be a hard sell for me too. You know, I mean, you're at home at Oracle Arena. Golden State Warriors get hot in their own arena. And they have, you know, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, 
You know, they have Draymond Green and a slew of other supporting cast members that are no slouches on, in their own right. You know, they can shoot the ball well and they can run, the, run up and down the court with the best of them. So the Spurs are definitely going to have their hands full. The, and the thing is that, you know, we kind of saw the Achilles heel of the Spurs, and that's been the defensive front. You know, and once again, I expect that the Warriors are going to wind up running right at the Spurs, and the Spurs are going to have a, a, hard time, a hard time or a hard task ahead of them trying to stay in front and getting back on transition defense, which means one of two things is going to have to happen. Either the Spurs are going to have to, you know, match Golden State shot for shot, or they're going to have to find a way to slow the game down or slow them down and kind of, you know, try to see if they can make it more of a, a methodical game. Because if you get in a, a shooting match or a running, running the court, you know, match, running up and down that court with Golden State, it's going to be, a, a, you know, lights out for the Spurs fairly early, probably in the first or second quarter. But I think if they can kind of slow things down a little bit, they kind of give themselves a chance to, to really get themselves going and, get in the game because the one thing that the Spurs do have against Golden State is size you know they have some big players mm -hmm. on the team so why not bully everybody and see if you can get it you know the opposing team in foul trouble early you know I look for the Spurs to see if they can do that you know so it'll be interesting it's yeah. going to be a, a chess match you know you have Steve, yeah. Steve Kerr well, versus you know, Coach Pop <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the, the half court game and, and Spurs can, can slow things down the funny thing is, is that Golden State, even though we know them as this run-and-gun, high-potent uh, offense, uh, they're, they're masters of the half-court game at a faster pace. Yeah. They run, you know, a very similar half-court game. Uh, and, you know, you take Steve Kerr, who came from the, uh, uh, from the Popovich School of, of, of Coaching. Um, learned it there and basically what Steve Kerr has done because he has the right pieces is taken the Spurs half-court game to the next level uh, and they played that same half-court game but at a much faster pace so even if you try to slow them down uh, it, it's still a challenge and what you have to do is you have to be in their face you cannot give them space to throw up the three ball which they're famous for and uh, you know you Closing out, closing out on players with the ball is going to be crucial. I agree with you. So what are you seeing, Michael, as far as the Spurs and the matchup, the issues of matchups against these Golden State Warriors? Yeah. Uh, let us, let that's, us into that's, your that's, insight. That's the, the, the head scratch right there. How are you going to match up with them? Because they started Davis last game, so that puts Brian against either Clay or Steph, and, and – Look, Brandon's done a great job this year, but defensively, he's not, you know, Derek White or DeJounte or any of those types of players. And having him trying to run around screens to guard those guys is going to be a tough uh, task for him. So then you could talk about, well, maybe you bring Dante Cunningham, but then that that puts pressure on DeRozan to guard uh, Durant, so where he's, like, greatly outside. So it's, like, trying to find, you know, what works best for all the matches and try to come out ahead in this one. It's, it's going to be a tough one for them. And, and honestly, the Warriors, they come off of two games where against Philadelphia where they lost. That was tough. And then the Lakers, they won, but that was without LeBron. And they didn't look, I mean, by other team standards, they looked great. But by Golden State standards, they didn't look great, aside from Clay Thompson. So I think they're going to be pretty focused. And then in their own uh, arena tomorrow, that's going to be a tough task for, for anyone. And so the other thing about all of this, the is that 
why they've been able to do so well lately is because their bench has been kind of like the unsung hero of it all. And then when you bring in Davis off the bench, I mean, that takes away a major piece. I mean, Patty Mills, when he plays as many minutes as he is, I mean, so that's, you know, that's leaving some problems when you go to that second unit and you don't have that same group that you relied on so much because one of them is having to start with, with the wide out. But it's going to be tough. I mean, another one, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins isn't even playing full, uh, back up to full minutes yet. I think he's been limited to about 25 minutes a game lately, and he's still putting up numbers of, uh, you know, 35 uh, to 38-minute guy. So that's going to be another one that they're going to have to look out for because once he gets in there, he can shoot the three. So that's another thing about spacing, and he can just take it inside and, and bully players. So it's a tough matchup, especially, like I said, with a guy like Derek White, who's been the best wing defender this year for the team out. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get your prediction right now because we already know what Roy Flores just told us. He just told us that he predicts the Spurs are going to go 6-2 and two on this rodeo road trip. Um, so what, are you, what is your prediction for this rodeo road trip, Michael? You know, I think these first three games are going to be, they have a, a, a good chance of dropping these first three quarters and looking really good lately. It started off kind of rough. I think that they can they take care of the Jazz game. They should be able to win the, the this game if they can't win the next game and that's trouble but um so that's where i'm at right now Raptors is going to be another tough one you know for them uh so you know we'll, we'll see where they go from here but i think these first three are going to be tough and they might get a little help after that and we'll see where where they're at once uh you know all-star break comes around yeah i'm predicting that the team's going to go five and three you know that was before the the announcement was handed down that Derek white was going to be missing an extended period of time you know from this first leg of the rodeo road trip due to his uh, plantar fasciitis. So I still picked him to go five and three, but now that, you know, we get word that Derek White is injured, they might wind up going four and four. And if they do, that's cause for celebration <laughs> in my book. Cause last season, yeah. the rodeo road trip wasn't uh, as eventful, you know? So hopefully they'll have a better showing this, this time around, because a lot of people are saying, right now that this rodeo road trip is going to be the make or break for the spurs i'm not really buying that you know we usually use the rodeo road trip as a gauge to find out where this team is at currently you know thus far in the season and i think it's kind of unfair because of all the new faces all this uh, you know plethora of young talent that we have that's still trying to come into their own to kind of gauge them whether they're going to fail you know this season because they don't have an eventful rodeo road trip there's still a lot of basketball left to play so I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm just saying, yeah, it would be good if they could win, you know, have a winning road record, uh, especially on the rodeo road trip. But I don't think it's going to make or break the season. I mean, what do you think, Roy? Yeah, um, I, I, I look back to, uh, I guess it was mid-December, and they had a stretch where they had a, a six-game homestand. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had said that, that was going to be the telltale sign of whether they were going to be a competitive team or whether they were just going to lay an egg this season. Uh, and they pulled out of that six-game homestand. I think they went five and one or something like that. And uh, and they showed that you know they they could. Um, and over the the rest of December and into early January, uh, they were still you know they they beat Toronto at home. They beat Boston. Uh, so they were beating some good teams. And so the legitimacy of, of the team, um, I think, still stands. Uh, the rodeo road trip, I agree with you. I don't think we'll make or break them. Uh, 
but it's probably important that they go at least 500, if not better, uh, just to maintain that uh, four, five, six, uh, you know, spot in the West. Uh, you know, are they a championship caliber team? Obviously not. Um, you know, can they pull off one or two series in the playoffs? Possibly. Uh, but again, it's it's a matter of clicking. It's a matter of paying attention to those tiny little details that have been for the last 20 years. We've seen them, how important they are in pop scheme of things. It, those are the things. Again, it's a system, and uh, you know, some people will say that Popovich's system is outdated, uh, especially with today's high-powered offenses. But we've seen time and time again they they'll pull out, you know, a victory that people had them losing. Uh, but by the same token, they they pull out some losses that should have been wins. Um, and uh, again, I go back to eight new players learning a system that has proven time and time again that works. And if they pay attention to those details and execute them the way they're supposed to. Um, there's no reason that that they can't go five and three uh, or, you know, surprise us and, and get that six and two mark on this uh, rodeo road trip. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you. You know, you can get hit it dead on. A lot of people have been talking some smack about coach pop, you know, saying that his system is archaic behind the times, but it's proven to, to win five championships and it's proven to been a win. It, it's proven that it can be a winning system. You just have to have the right pieces around that system and right now we still have some young talent that's still like you said still needing to learn you know the ins and outs of this first system yeah. kind of find their role within the system itself get better and that's going to take time it's not going to happen overnight we didn't go from you know late in the the mid 80s you know 88 89 season uh, of getting knocked out in the <laughs> the first round of the playoffs to all of a sudden winning championships in the 99 season with just you know with the turn of a hat, you know, it didn't happen that quick, right. you know, it, it, yeah. it takes time to develop. And I think that's the thing that Spurs fans kind of get a little spoiled with, you know, they don't want to wait. Yeah. They want well, to win now. Yeah. One of the things that I'd like to see while they're, while they're fine tuning uh, this machine is, and, and I've noticed it being at, at every home game this season is that when the offense runs through DeMar, um, it, it just, it runs a lot more fluidly. And even if he's not the one taking the shot, if he's creating the shot or if he's making a pass and then creating space for the third man to take the shot, if that offense is running through DeMar, it's proven to be successful. And then they go away from that and they struggle. Uh, and I'd like to see them go going through DeMar a lot more. Uh, and, and that's one thing that just really makes me scratch my head as to why, why they're not doing that. Yeah, that makes you scratch your head because in the days of, you know, Timmy and, and David Robinson and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, the offense always touched Timmy's hands first. He got set up. And even if he didn't yep. make a shot, he passed the ball back out got, you know, look for his teammates, see if they can get a better shot or maybe he get reset and, you know, see if he can get a better angle. And 
that's the way the offense worked, you know, for the San Antonio Spurs. I just think that, it, it, again, it's going to take some time, you know, and hopefully they can figure that out because I think with LaMarcus, he was quite honest in what he said. You know, it takes – he needs his touches, and he wasn't being a, a diva by any, you know, by, by his choice of words. He was just saying, look, in order for me to get in, get in rhythm, I need to touch the ball, whether he's going to make a shot or not. It helps him get in rhythm, and when he gets in rhythm early and he starts making his shots early and he builds that confidence, he can have big games. We even saw him go for, what, 50 points in one game this season. So yep. he, he can Absolutely. get in rhythm. So that's one thing that we got to, I think, look forward to with LaMarcus. We need to get him in rhythm more often. Um, and, and what about you, Michael? I know that a lot of people have been critical about this Spurs team, and we're going to go ahead and move on to one of our last segments with you. And currently, it's all about who are the Spurs going to trade for. The Spurs need more talent. They need more help. We need to go ahead and tank for Zion. You know, we need to do all these crazy things <laughs> instead of just develop the talent that we have right now, which is the thing that we've done in the past. What do you have to say to these Spurs fans that want us to make a trade now and blow up the team? Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I feel like, you know, they, you know they're ahead of people win like low 40s this year. They've already got 32 wins. I feel like there's nothing that's like crazy. I mean, I think if you look at everything that's happened this year, they lost a player that seemed like he was poised for a breakout season. They lost, you know, the best defensive players, a franchise player that everybody thought. They have introduced eight new players. I've seen uh, teams, they'll bring in two new players, especially at the Spurs in their systems, and it takes them a year to get acclimated to the way Pop does things into that system to feel comfortable that they are where they are at this point. I feel like they're ahead of schedule, and I think making that big a move right now, even if there was anything out there, which I really don't think there is, you're basically putting yourself behind again because now you're having to add yet another uh, piece in there. And where's that going to put you in as far as playoff runs, things like that? That, that means that they're going to have to take all that time to try to get you know, comfortable in their system, and that's probably not going to happen that quick. Um, the whole tanking thing, it's a little too late for that. And the Knicks have what, 10 wins. I think we're not catching them for a chance that by us, so that's not going to happen. I, I just don't see them uh, making any trades unless it's something minor, unless it's maybe bringing in a specialist, a shooting specialist, or a defensive specialist that is not like a high-cost piece. It could you know, be something, uh, you know, a player that's it's not like a marquee name. But, you know, I feel like if they're going to add anybody, the best chance is going to be in the buyout market. I, I agree with you on that. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens in the summertime, you know, in the off-season. And I'm sure that they'll they'll probably do what's best for the team. And, of course, they're going to have to stay under budget. You know, they don't really want to go too far over the cap and have to pay all, pay all those luxury taxes. So that's not good for business, you know. So that's something to look forward to. But um, we might, you know, we might let some players go in free agency maybe. Or we might ma match contracts. You know, some something might happen, you know, where an attractive offer comes by. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens in that regard. But moving on to the to the last segment, I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys, and you tell me what you guys think. Okay. So given what the state of the Spurs and what we've seen, you know, them go through since the beginning of the season, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad. Where do you think this team is going to wind up when it's all said and done 
and they're getting ready to finally, you know, make that final push for the postseason. Where do you think this Spurs team is going to be ranked? Uh, and we'll start with you, Roy. Where do you think this Spurs team is going to be ranked uh, for the playoffs? Yeah, well, you know, you look at where they are right now. Um, they're, uh, like uh, Michael was saying, they were predicted to win 42 and a half games uh, the, by the betting line. So that, that means that they've got to win 10 more games, and they've reached that that goal. Uh, they need, what, 18 wins to, to hit 50 wins. Can they go uh, 18 and 11 or 18 and 10, whatever, you know, whatever games are left? Theoretically, they could. Uh, but I see them, you know, in the 47, 46, 47, 48 win range, somewhere around there, probably the four or five. Uh, possibly the sixth spot. You, know, you you want you know you want to be one of the top four, get home court advantage, um, but that's not important to Pop. Um, you know he he looks at it from the standpoint of you know let's make the playoffs and and then we we do what we need to do. And so at this point, I see them in that four, five, six position heading into the playoffs, winning the first round possibly a second round victory uh but no further than that uh again it's it's you know losing uh, uh Dejounte, losing Kawhi, um you know those are you those were your two top players coming into this season uh outside of lamarcus and you know it it wasn't meant to be and i don't see the spurs making any uh trade they might pick somebody off, you know, maybe somebody that, that gets a, a contract bought out, um, maybe a, someone like an Enos Cantor, um, you know, that, that signs for the veteran minimum for the remainder of the season uh, just for the playoff push. But other than that, I, I, don't, see, uh, I don't see any moves. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't really see the Spurs making any moves. You know, it, the trade deadline's coming up this week but the Spurs are going to stand pat they're not going to make any moves because they don't have to you know like you all said why mess with a team already this far in the season you're just going to have to go and do battle with whoever you have on hand and you know hopefully you can get enough wins to to get a decent enough matchup I think if the Spurs get around you know maybe come in at sixth and fifth fifth or sixth seed they'll be okay I would like to see them come in at the fifth seed because I think they'll have a better matchup that would favor them versus coming in at the sixth seed. And right now, if the, the playoffs were to start today, they would be playing on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is something we don't want to do. Um, but if they matched up against a team, let's say, like the Golden State, not the Golden State Warriors, but the Houston Rockets or the Portland Trailblazers, I think those matchups would probably favor us a little bit more, given the history that we have, especially with the Rockets. Um, then it would, you know, be favoring us to start a playoff series on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is a very dynamic and young athletic team that can probably give us some fits. So you're to the lesser of two evils. <laughs> so where do you think the Spurs will wind up, Michael? And when it's all said and done? You know, I'm right with you on this. I feel like anywhere between three and six is a good spot. I mean, especially if it's like a two and a half game difference right now between Oklahoma and, and the Spurs, but I would want no part of Oklahoma sending that first round. Paul George has been playing 
I think honestly, Paul George lately, where he's played, if he didn't have Russell Westbrook on his team, he'd probably be considered an MVP candidate. So I like the Portland and Houston matchups. As I look ahead, those are the ones that seem more favorable and, and ones where they could actually win that first round. Um, so I'm right there. I think I think they, that's where you know that's where they'll end up probably anywhere in those spots right, right there. I think Denver going for obviously probably too far ahead to catch right now by anybody. Uh, not getting dropping. Uh, much lower than they are right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be interesting to know how this final part of the season plays out. I mean, they've got some good games coming up in March, and we'll see exactly, I think, once again what they're made of and, and, and see um, how they enter the, the playoffs. But, and I agree with Ron, so I think, I think they'll win the, uh, the first round. I think, you know, the second is kind of up in the air. It just depends on the matchup. Yeah, exactly. Just depends on matchups. Which matchups uh, will actually favor the Spurs more? you know, when it comes to the postseason. So before we go ahead and end this episode of the Two Shots podcast, I always like to give everybody an opportunity to plug themselves as far as where your guys uh, are available on social media. So we'll start with you, Roy. Uh, where can the people get a hold of you and interact with you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, and it's uh, R-A-F-L-O-6-4. All right, so make sure you follow, like, and share with, you know, Roy Flores' content, and you go ahead and Hit him up on Twitter and talk with talk sports with him. I mean, he's a San Antonio guy. He works for the Associated Press, so he loves sports just as much as the next person. So hit him up. It'll be a fun and engaging conversation, I'm sure. Right, Roy? Yep, definitely. I've uh, been doing it uh, for since '86. Uh, sports in San Antonio since uh, since 1986. So uh, yeah, it's all good. There you go. And Michael, where can they find you and all the great things that you all do over at Project Spurs? I'm on Twitter at mdelion, M-D-L-E-O-N, and also check out uh, Project Spurs at Project Spurs. You can find all of our stuff uh, tweeted there every day. All right, and you can also find us at Two Shots Podcast, and it's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to also check out all the great content that we have available for you guys from our family of podcasters on the two shots podcast network, which is available at two, the number two shots, So for Roy Flores and Michael A. Villion, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for watching and listening and tuning in to another episode of the two shots podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate and be kind. We're out. Peace. <laughs>